Hey ladies, how you doing out there, you gangsters and you senior citizens of the world? I just want to let you know that I'm here. I'm starting my new podcast with Anchor. It's free, so I thought, why not give it a try? There's creation tools there that allow you to edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute my podcast, so it will be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, at home. During the coronavirus epidemic, this is where we're going to be. So, it's a mandatory call to action that we... Take anchor. Homeland and forcibly transported across the Atlantic. A journey that approximately 2 million of them would not survive. By the turn of the 18th century, European merchants were building vessels capable of transporting hundreds of enslaved people per journey. These ships had extra portholes for ventilation, weapons mounted on deck in case of rebellion, and additional compartments added below deck to take on more human cargo. Before boarding the ships at African port cities, enslaved people were stripped of their clothing and remaining possessions and had their heads forcibly shaved. During boarding, which could take weeks or even months, enslaved people lived on the deck of the ship in a temporary wooden house constructed by the crew. The crew also installed netting around the deck of the ship designed to catch those enslaved who might opt for death over forced servitude. Once moved below deck, enslaved people would find themselves stuffed into compartments with ceilings as low as four and a half feet, where they would spend most of their voyage. They were segregated by gender and age. Adult men were kept separately and shackled in pairs. Women usually left unchained in their designated compartment, and children often free to move about the ship. There were no sanitary facilities of any kind. Enslaved people were forced to relieve themselves where they sat, creating hellish conditions when combined with the heat and lack of ventilation below deck. Disease was rampant. Dysentery, malaria, yellow fever, smallpox, measles, and influenza ravaged the enslaved and crew members alike. The enslaved people generally spent about eight hours a day above deck, but were still separated by gender, with a barricado, a reinforced wall that could be used to protect crew members in case of a revolt. Enslaved people were also subject to forced exercise, which sometimes included dance and song for the entertainment of the crew. Enslaved captives deemed disobedient were tortured and beaten, usually whipped with the especially cruel cat nine tails a tool designed to inflict maximum pain. Enslaved people who refused to eat their typical meal of rice and beans were forced to do so, sometimes with a speculum oris, a medieval tool used to force open a person's mouth. Women, while usually left unshackled, were raped and sexually abused by members of the crew, sometimes arriving in the New World, carrying the children of their attackers. But it was the women using their minuscule freedoms, who would often coordinate mutinies against their captors. But these rebellions were rarely successful. The true extent of the horrors of the Middle Passage came to light in a 1783 court trial over the slave ship Zong. 
The Zong left present-day Ghana in August of 1781, with 442 enslaved on board. After a two-month journey riddled with navigation errors, 62 enslaved people and seven crew members had perished without reaching their destination. Disease was spreading throughout the ship, and fresh water was running dangerously low. Captain Luke Collingwood was afraid of the financial cost of more deaths. Enslaved people that died of disease were not covered by the ship's insurance, but the enslaved who drowned were. Collingwood ordered approximately 130 enslaved people thrown overboard. He claimed it was necessary to do so to halt the spread of disease. At the trial between the Zong's owners and their insurance company, the owners argued that because it was legal to kill sick animals for the health of a ship, it was legal to treat enslaved people the same. The court agreed with the ship's owners, but the trial itself exposed the horrors aboard the Zong, and its story was republished by British abolitionists with the name of the ship redacted, meant to show that this tragedy could happen on any ship transporting enslaved people across the Middle Passage. 24 years after the Zong trial, the international slave trade was outlawed in both Great Britain and the United States. It would take England an additional 26 years and the U.S. another 58 years plus a civil war before the practice of slavery was officially abolished. Hi, it's Stacey Abrams. There is a huge fundraising deadline coming up for Senate Democrats, and they need your help right now if they're going to meet it. I'm asking you to donate now to help flip the Senate, and if you do, your gift will be triple matched. Democrats need to flip just four seats in order to take back the Senate this November. Nate Silver's 538 confirms that Democrats can flip the Senate, but Mitch McConnell is outraising Democrats right now. So we urgently need grassroots supporters like you to help us reach this must-hit goal. Please chip in whatever you can to help flip the Senate and defeat Mitch McConnell before the deadline, and your gift will be triple matched. They're known as Marty's Miracles. Dogs sentenced to death brought back oh. to health with the methods My of bad. Dr. Marty Goldstein. One of the greatest cases I ever had is a Rottweiler. So, in the late 60s, there was a time when every American seemed angry at the nation. And we have the Magnificent Seven here, but we're not going to go with them right now. We're going to go ahead and uh, talk to somebody in the about the 2020s. How about Cuomo and this insane Trump staffer. This is why Harvard, by the way, says 90% of the news coverage of the president is negative. Not no, my no, no, words, no. Harvard's words. No, that's words. not what Harvard said. Harvard said 90% of the coverage is negative. They didn't say why. The why is his mouth and his actions. If he didn't lie, if he didn't take things out of context, lie. if he didn't demonize people for being different, if he didn't make it okay to be bigoted, then he, he would lie. not get the same kind of criticism. He doesn't lie. Look at the this. press you lies. You don't look at Fox News and call it state TV, and people aren't going to call you out for being unfair to a media He doesn't lie. Guess who lies? The press lies. And don't, don't take it from me. You don't think this president has take ever it. lied? 
Take it from Jim Comey, who literally called out a New York... You don't think this president has lied to the American people? No, I don't think the president has lied. He has never lied to the American people. No, I don't think the president has lied. Bailey McEnany, your credibility will be shot with my audience if you don't back off that statement. I think CNN has lied to the American people. I think MSNBC has lied to the American people. I think the fake news has lied to the American people. Has the president lied to the American people? Chris, I'm going to ask you this one more time. Kayleigh McEnany, do you believe this president has ever lied to the American people? No. I don't believe the president wow. has lied. I believe the fake news media. Do you believe that the fake news IFB media right has out of lied? My head. Do you believe the fake news media has Interview's lied? Interview's over, Kaylee. Please, the if you can't admit that this president has lied to the American people, you will not the have credibility with the audience. You've got a long you way to go, Kaylee. Look, listen, when a president is telling the American people every day not to believe in a free press, that they're the enemy of the state, he and he lies about the allies at G7 saying any, what we really want to know is why your media hates the country, he is he, to blame for sowing the seeds of division. He minute press avail and he lies in 90-degree weather. That's so what? The president gives access, and you lie about everything he says and take him out of context, and the people are frustrated. I have never lied about this president in frustrated. my life. You may not like what I say. That doesn't make it a lie. He and lies all the time. And you know it. Go and watch you your last it, hour. They Taking won't Stephanie to you as Grisham well. out of context and putting one story with another you show me to try what to I make lied about it Kaylee. seem as if the president you lied you, and Stephanie you lied and it was not true. You show me lying about this president and I'll give you a prize. You admit the truth about him, I'll give you two prizes. But you're still welcome on the show. I don't need any have, prizes from the fake news media. You may have hurt me tonight in inviting you back because if you can't admit that he lied... These people are never going to believe you about anything. I think you should anything. take a look in the mirror, All right? Chris. I do. And I don't like these lines, but I do like that I don't lie to my audience every damn chance I get. Do you realize how egregious of a lie you have to tell for Chris Cuomo two years into the Trump administration to cut an interview short? And that's after we've been introduced to people like Sean Spicer and Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Kellyanne Conway. But that's exactly what Trump's 2020 re-election campaign press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, managed to do, suggesting numerous times that Trump has never lied. Like, not once. And this came after Trump has told several lies so egregious that even Fox News is pushing back. Only days ago, Chef Smith countered Trump's claim that miles and miles of new wall are being built, despite the fact that not one single foot of barrier has gone up that isn't simply replacing existing infrastructure. The president has made border security a mainstay of his message, dating back to the campaign with build that wall, and Mexico will pay for it, though that last promise is long gone. So far, despite the president's claims to the contrary, there is no new wall. Existing barriers have been replaced with new ones. Same span, not new place. The total of repaired barrier is about 60 miles along that 2,000-mile border. And in some cases, with a new wall system, as Customs and Border Protection calls it, new tech and new lighting and that sort of thing, but not in new areas. And that's a claim that Trump had made a staggering 190 times by the beginning of August, so easily over 200 times by now. And that's not even counting the amount of times that he promised Mexico would pay for it. Trump has claimed that Americans weren't feeling any impact from his trade war with China and that the cost of the tariffs falls onto the Chinese, which isn't true. When the U.S. imposes tariffs on China, the cost of goods being imported is passed on to the American companies, which then pass the increased cost onto consumers. In other words, we're the ones paying more for everything and then being told not to believe what the increased price tags on our goods is telling us. Trump just promised that he'll approve a major middle-income tax cut if the Republicans win in 2020, which might not seem like a lie until you take into account that Trump pledged to introduce a 10% middle-class tax cut just after midterms. And I don't seem to be able to find that tax cut anywhere. 
Trump claimed that the Mueller report completely and totally exonerated him. The report itself literally says that it does not exonerate the president. Trump has claimed that this is the best economy in American history. It's not even as strong as Bill Clinton's economy just 20 years ago. He said that he passed Veterans Choice, even though it was passed by Obama. He said millions and millions of people voted illegally in the last presidential election, despite his own voter fraud commission finding no such evidence. This administration called getting disaster relief to Puerto Rico the most logistically challenging event the United States has ever seen, we've literally flown to the moon. And look, we can go on and on, but the fact is that Trump is objectively the least trustworthy president in American history. According to the Washington Post, he's told over 12,000 lies after 928 days in office. And that was as of August 5th. That information is already obsolete. At the rate he's gone, he'll have told over 300 more lies just by the time that analysis was released. All that McEnany's claim does is prove to people that, just like during his first term, Trump will run his re-election under the same pretenses. If the foundation is built, 